Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Yeah, you know Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Hello and welcome to Down with D&D. I am Sean Merwin here to talk more D&D with y'all as well as Mr. Teos Abadia. Hello, Teos. Y'all, are we uh, increasing our demographic reach? Uh, sure. I, I actually say y'all more than one would imagine. but I used to say it all the time. And my favorite, the all y'alls. The, yeah, the plural of y'all is all y'all. Yeah. And, and that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. I am. I am. Even though I am from New York, I am from rural New York, yeah. uh, in, in the Appalachian Mountains. So uh, y'all was a was a thing. Yeah, that's uh, fantastic. Here yeah. in in Oregon, we don't get a lot of that, and I miss it. Yeah, yeah. L- linguistics are are uh, are interesting. I love to talk, think about, and talk about the way people use words and how the same word can have different meanings in different places, and it's yeah. it's all fascinating. And it has absolutely nothing to do with D and T. Well, but, you know, if we're a little addle-brained, it's because there have been about 14,000 Tuesdays since we last recorded. This is true. It feels like the, we last recorded the day before the U.S. elections. Yeah. And now, seven years later, yeah. we, we are recording again. I've had so many lifetimes. It's been amazing. It, it has. It's been an interesting uh, experience to live through and it will be an even more interesting experience to not live through anymore yeah that whole may live in interesting times thing and all but uh but Uh i do hope that folks uh can can now that that's at least a phase of it is past uh, past us a big phase Mm -hmm. that we can all you know take a moment and a lot of people on social media sort of saying take a day i'm like take more than a day like just you know take take as much time as feels good to, to sort of deep breath Mm-hmm. and return and hopefully our podcast can help with it yeah because we are going to talk today about D news first and then we are going to do sort of a wrap-up of chapter one because we spent so long talking about the details that i feel like we may have uh lost some of the trees in the forest so we sort of wanted to wrap it up and talk about our general thoughts and a a plan if you will for moving forward uh if you do run this with chapter one yeah. so the news, we will begin with Teos talking about a Watsi auction. Yeah, you know, Sean, I'm a collector and I love me the wacky things. But these days, it's really easy for people to find the wacky, awesome things. And Wizards of the Coast is loudly proclaiming that they're auctioning off rare book cover galley proofs for extra life. And you nice. kind of have to parse that such a complicated sentence. But this is fundraising for kids' hospitals. It's all for a good cause. And on eBay, they have placed galleys, which are the full-color printouts they receive from the printer to show them what the cover will look like. And it has like a color grading on one side on the outer border. So you know it's not just like a poster, but it sort of looks like a poster. Um, And it shows both sides of the cover like all together, like if you folded out the book. Mm -hmm. And they have those for the Wildmount Explorer's Guide. Icewind Dale and its alternate cover, Tasha's and its alternate cover. They're all on eBay. Uh, they can go for pretty high prices, probably will. But I mean, this is a pretty unique thing. They, they, you know, while it seems like anyone can just print these off, there are only so many of these that they do. Mm-hmm. And then they, you know, they go to someone's house usually. And, and in this case, they can go to your house. Excellent. So if you are a collector of rare and exotic D&D memorabilia, uh, that is on eBay. You can go to eBay uh, and then just look up uh, Wizards of the Coast and it should take you to the charity site. GameholeCon has come and gone virtually. And I did not participate as a DM, although I did participate in one of these live stream games as an AL admin. And I Mr. watched part of that. Did you? And Mr. Greg Marks uh, ran us through a pretty horrifying uh, adventure. Uh, in, 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 in many ways, uh, Travis Woodall and Bill Benham were, and Chris Lindsay were three of the players. That sounds horrifying. Which, which is, which is horrifying. Uh, fortunately, Claire, uh, Hoffman was also there to, to lend an air of respectability to the, to the place, but it was, it was a lot of fun. And we did raise a few hundred dollars, uh, for, 
aforementioned Extra Life. So thank you and everyone who watched and uh, donated to make that game happen. That's great. And they announced that Game Hole Con 8, wow, already eight Game Hole Cons, uh, will run from October 21st through 24th in 2021. That's uh, about a week or more earlier than it usually is. It usually runs into November. Um, and here's hoping that maybe, possibly, that normalcy will be a little bit more uh, part of our lives by 2021 and the last weeks of October. Yeah. Well, and, you know, speaking of conventions next year, one thing that we didn't report, and it's just coming to mind, is Baldwin Games announced that Winter Fantasy next year will be virtual. And that is going to be January 15th to 17th. Yep. So, so we can add that to our, to our list here uh, because uh, that's a, a great convention. Uh, it is the last physical convention I attended. Yeah. Uh, before it was right as COVID was hitting, we we're like, should we all be here? Um, mm-hmm. But you know, nobody got it from that event, luckily, fortunately. But uh, but you know, right after that, some things started closing down. So yeah, it's true. So um, it'll be a year then. Yep, and that will be February fourth through seventh online, and much of the money that goes into that, uh, you know, through tickets and stuff, will be donated to various charities so keep an eye out yep keep an eye out for that there is a link in our show notes to the announcement and some other links um to go and pretty soon there will be dm signups and then player ticket sales so yeah i'm looking forward to hopefully participating in that yeah, and you gotta, you know, I just want to pause for a second to say that uh, Baldwin Games has done quite the service to overall online D&D by helping to train mm-hmm. uh, a large number of DMs who then go on to DM all these other virtual events as well. Yeah. And it's not like it's only Baldwin Games, but they've been a big part of that, that, you know, getting the greatest number together to run for events. Yep. I, my role 20 knowledge came from one of the DMs or several of the DMs. Uh, for bald man games posting uh, how-to videos either on youtube or just privately and that got me to realize that hey i think i can handle this little 20 thing and so yeah it's a uh it's been a great service so far and it's brought people that may otherwise not be playing D some some gaming yeah uh let's talk a little bit about mt black i'm gonna start because he released on DMs Guild, a product called the Anatomy of Adventure. It's $4.95 on the DMs Guild. It's 106 pages of advice and experience on adventure design. Um, so if you if you are not a DMs Guild uh, expert, then you may not have heard of MT Black. But if you are on the Guild, you definitely know that he has sold many, 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 many thousands many. of products mostly adventures and uh he's uh, he's also written blogs and and advice and stuff but he brought all of that together into this product i've read the forward so far because i literally just got the link earlier today Um, so i haven't had a chance to go through the whole thing but even the the forward has some great advice in it um there's you know 10 chapters i believe maybe a couple more um each covering a different aspect of game design um, adventure design and marketing and selling your stuff. So if you are looking to get uh, yourself going on the DMs Guild and upping your game there, if you're already there, there are many worse people that you could listen to than, <laughs> than sure. MT Black. Um, and we will have a link on the show notes. That again is called the Anatomy of Adventure. And I think we have a little more MT uh, knowledge being dropped here. Uh, yeah he just put out his list of top 20 free 5e dm's guild adventures so when you string all those things together and he looked at products that had at least 15 five-star ratings then he put all these together in in a list of 20 adventures that are all free so you can Mm -hmm. go check out his blog post and get yourself 20 of the highest rated uh highest rated dm's guild adventures uh, these include the two free acquisitions in corporate adventures by Pat Rothfuss and Mike Krahulik. No surprise, they'd be highly rated. 
Mm -hmm. uh, the free Ixalan Magic the Gathering setting adventure written by Kat Kruger and Chris Tulak. Uh, that's great. Um, I have all of these. Uh, the high level adventure from Jason Thompson and Scott Fitzgerald Gray that's available there. I think it's like levels 13 to 17, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, an Adventures League adventure by Robert Aducci. I don't really know why this one's free, but it may be a leftover from when Watsi was giving away things, but grab it while you can. Mm -hmm. uh, Robert writes great things. A horror adventure by Ashley Warren. And the number one is Secrets of Skyhorn Lighthouse by Kelsey Dion. And she has created a, a, a great group of adventures that she releases through, through her company. But uh, that, I think, is, if it's not the one that started all, it's certainly one that brought her name to prominence. Mm -hmm. So that is a lot of content that you can get for free. Uh, again, link in the show notes. You can go to mtblackgames.com to see the blog where he talks about that. And ending our news today is Cobalt Press, which has just announced that on November 30th, they will launch a Kickstarter for the Southlands 5E uh, bundle of work that they're going to be putting out. The Kickstarter will include a 5E Southlands world book, a Southlands player's guide, and a product called City of Cats, a collection of adventures that take place in Per Bastet, where the... Uh, Feline goddess Bastet reigns supreme. I grew um, up in that house. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I do now, even though there's only one uh, cat. They uh, all of these books will be part of the Kickstarter, and they will all be five E compatible. Uh, Southlands is a part of the overall Midgard setting that Cobalt Press has been working on for years, and according to the release that they said they would have a ton of different people working on it um each book is being run by a different person including megan markle um their editor extraordinaire and i saw other names uh such as kim mohan uh who's working on the world book so yeah i mean just just right there yeah is you've and, sold yep and kim mohan oh, okay sold yep they, they always have you know a lot of pretty good freelancers working on things yeah. so well uh, that's what's great about cold press is that you know that at the very least and, and you're going to get more than this but at the very least you will get a number of amazing designers will throw something incredible in there mm -hmm. right because they will they will use all of that knowledge and experience they have and they're going to put something that just is a gem in there and there always is whether it's a book of monsters a book of encounters there are going to be some things that make you really sit back and go oh this is great and as someone who's worked on uh, Cobalt Press pro projects in the past, uh, the head chief Cobalt, uh, of course, is Wolfgang Bauer. And he always has his eyes on the prize in terms of not just, um, you know, making good products, but keeping keeping them the keeping the quality high and keeping an editorial hand in most things. He knows what he wants. He is super smart. Uh, he's been doing this, not just Cobalt Press, but obviously you know TSR and Wizards and Dungeons and Dragon Magazine and everything that he's worked on before Cobalt Press. Uh, he just has that knowledge and it never goes away. If you're working on something for him, you know that if you turn in a, a piece that doesn't quite fit the story that he's trying to tell or the lore that's in his head, he will take care of it. He will fix it. Mm, I love that. And so you're, you're getting a, a steady hand overseeing everything. You're not going to get these uh, sort of wild um, things that, that don't fit in with the rest yeah. of the project. So I'm a big fan of a, of a heavy developmental hand. Oh, for sure. And I think we're going to actually talk a little bit about that <laughs> as we talk about chapter one of uh, Icewind Dale, Rime of the Frost Maiden. So we are uh, in chapter one. We've we've gone. Yeah. So we've gone through everything that's in chapter one. And chapter one is meaty. Chapter one has a lot of content. Uh, so just a quick recap. Uh, in chapter one, they have two starting quests. Then they have a description of all 10 of the 10 towns, along with 
quests for each of those towns. So there's 10 quests, 10 towns, and some of the towns even have really more than one quest, um, although they're not called quests. So the expectation of the book is when you get through the chapter one content, you will have done several quests, uh, at least five and possibly more, getting you uh, to fourth level. Then you're supposed to move on to chapter two. We have gotten many questions from listeners about, yeah, you've gone over all this stuff and that's great, but what do you suggest we do with all of this content? How do you suggest we navigate this? And uh, Teos and I thought it would be a good opportunity for us to step back, hit pause for a moment, and think about chapter one in terms of your DMing campaign. How would it work? How does it work? What can you do? What are, what are some pitfalls you need to worry about? What are some opportunities you can take advantage of? Um, so that's where we're going to start. Do you want to talk about uh, Miss, Mr. Baker? Sure, yeah. So it was Jeremy, ba Jeremy Baker, who uh, is a listener and reached out on Twitter and asked what we would suggest as starting quests in an initial town. And, and I, I, you know, I gave sort of an initial of like, well, I kind of like these two towns the most, but, but I just really thought about it. I'm like, okay, you know, what is the real answer to this question? And it, it's tough because a lot of it depends on what kind of a DM you are and what kind of players you have. Mm -hmm. The easiest thing to do, and I wish the book had said this, I wish the book had said more firmly because it kind of hits at it, but it doesn't, the book kind of gives you this idea that we're on a rhyme of the frost maiden adventure. We're going to be all about the rhyme and the frost maiden, and we're going to try to take her down, right? And end this. But what it actually does is throw a whole big sandbox experience for actually more than even just chapter one. Uh, we'll get into the chapter two sandbox part, but this first part is a really big sandbox. And so the, the easiest answer, and, and I think what the book sort of intends is just see which way the players go, mm -hmm. right? You give them one of these three options, the two starting quests or the town quests to begin with, and wherever they head, that's where you're going. Uh, they, they, they are supposed to know all 10 towns and where they are and a tiny bit about them. So, you know, they've been in this region is the idea, the premise of the book. So they just chart a course and you follow along. And I think if you like improvisation, if you want sandbox as a, as a change away from a very linear adventure, this delivers that right there, right? Uh, but what is weird about it is that you then aren't really feeling this rhyme frost maiden progress. Mm -hmm. Instead, you're just sort of doing various quests. Sometimes they're tied to that, but not in ways that are always obvious. And even when a quest ties into a larger theme like Dwergar, it's not obvious that it's doing so. You don't feel a sense of progress. So it's, it's entirely sandboxy. And I would probably chart a course and pick uh, a series of quests that are both quests that I like, that I think my players would like, and that I think would provide a theme and a story that angles towards this Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. Mm -hmm. yeah, as uh, Teos, how about you? Yeah, as Teo said, if you are comfortable running sort of a sandbox spur of the moment sort of campaign um, where your players are not necessarily needing to be invested in an ongoing story outside of just their own exploits, you're great with this book. You can, you can do that. Unfortunately, I don't know if a majority of the DMS or players are that kind of, of group. And I think we're moving more and more away from that as a player base, uh, just in general. So that's moving, of, moving away from scripted linear adventures. No, moving away from this sort of sandbox. Okay. Thing. I think more and more players as they come into the game sort of want stories. You know, yeah. they, they want this sort of longer term down the road, I can see that we're going to be doing this. So I want to move incrementally toward that. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm going to just switch just for a second here and talk about the uh, quest board adventure style. Mm -hmm. I think uh, with, if you are familiar with uh, Dragon of Ixpire Peak, the essentials box set adventure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The, yep. The essentials box set. Uh, 
sets up this quest board sort of structure where the players come to town or are in town and they go to a quest board and there's a list of quests and they choose one and they go on it. They complete it, they come back and then they choose the next quest. That can work very, very well. If a few things are true, one of the things that has to be true for that to work in my estimation is there can't be some sort of big problem that's in the character's face at the same time. Because if it is, everything we've learned as storytellers is go that direction, do that thing. For Ice Spire Peak, there is a dragon that is around, but it's not right there. It's not attacking the town. It's not... There's no force coming into town. The townsfolk are not in danger, immediate danger. So these quests work fine. Okay, I'll go do that. I'll establish a relationship. I'll solve a problem. We come back, then we do the next one. And that is a perfectly cromulent way to run a campaign. (laughs) As long as there isn't this bigger narrative element that's hanging out there, that's looming out there. And so I, I... feel like maybe wizards saw that hey this quest thing works well and it's easy to write adventures this way you don't have to tie things together and perkins perkins actually said in an interview on on one of the youtube design interviews i think for dnd beyond he said or maybe it was dragon i think it was dragon talk he said um that this design in in rhyme had come from positive feedback on the essentials adventure. And I think it's exactly what you're saying that what the reason it works so well in essentials is the fact that there's no conflicting overall storyline that the players go, well, how do I get onto that storyline? Right. And so you can meet NPCs and you can establish relationships with them and you can have fun role playing with them, but none of the PCs are, are in danger. None of the NPCs, if something that, you know, that needs to happen right away, needs to happen right away that is completely the opposite of what's happening in Icewind Dale in Icewind Dale not only is there this overarching you know rhyme that is causing problems and it's been causing problems for two years things are happening in the towns like human sacrifices (laughs) yeah Uh, bad that that if if that is not a call for immediate action nothing is right right and so the this idea of a quest board and we'll just take whatever job is is out there doesn't work as well in that sort of setting and right the 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 very the first part the first box text of this adventure is called the cold open and the first sentence is icewind dale has become trapped in a perpetual winter that's huge yeah Uh, you know it talks about all of the caravans that are no longer able to travel and uh, sacrifices being made. Uh, so that there's, there's that. I think there's also it, to a lesser extent, the quest boards thing doesn't work here because just of Icewind Dale itself, um, it's, it's got such a history to it, right? Fandolin doesn't. Fandolin, Fandolin's history starts five years ago. Mm-hmm. give or take uh icewind dale's history with the video game and the books and everything started 20 30 years ago uh so people have more um more want to do specific things rather than do general things uh in yeah. in, a, in a setting like that uh so all of this sort of there's sort of a narrative dissonance by the way that the book is set up as opposed to the sort of adventures that players are most likely wanting to go on. Uh, So the parts themselves, which we've discussed, we like, you know, we like the quest. We like the, the setup. We like this, the sort of very fine structure, but those parts do not make up a greater whole. In fact, the parts make up a lesser whole because they don't, feed into this bigger narrative that the story promises 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Um, and it's a shame because I think these quests, you know, what, while we have done our job of analyzing those chapter one quests and, and, you know, what we like, what we might change, adjust, whatever, the, the reality is when I look at those quests, I think they are better than the equivalent quests we've seen in previous adventures. There are more interesting parts to them. There are more engaging pieces. There are really neat touches, you know, and we talked about all these, these really neat, great experiences you can have in them. And as you said, it, it doesn't add up to more when the overall can't hang on it there. The framework doesn't click for the, for the players and the DM. And it's so interesting because this has been a recurring problem throughout 5e, right? Um, with possibly the exception of their very first Tyranny Dragons. I think that one's fairly, you know what you're doing and you're on the quest for it. But you know, if you think of Princess the Apoc of the Apocalypse, you can run into this whole, what's about the Mirabar delegation and where did they go? I forget, am I even doing that anymore? You know, and even as a DM, it's very hard to piece where this Mirabar delegation went. Uh, Storm King's Thunder, you kind of hear about giants and experience the threat and then you don't for a whole long time. Right. as you just are supposed to randomly go around. And it just from adventure to adventure, that overall narrative gets lost. Uh, it's, it's a theme, right? It's a thing that happens. Yeah. And I, I just started playing Skyrim. And I, I, I feel like the same sort of frustration from these sort of huge role-playing, um, you know, video role-playing games where you start and there's a quest. And then from that, there's six quests. And from that, there's 12 quests. And pretty soon you're looking at your quest list and it's 40 you know, things long. And you just, you don't quite know what to do. And that's, that's fine if for a certain kind of player, but I feel like this product sort of suffers from that same thing. Where All right. So, so what do we do? What do we do, Sean? What do we do? We do the following. Teos and I have gone through and come up with some suggestions. Now, these are these are just if I was running it, this is what I would probably do. Uh, my first suggestion and we'll, we'll alternate yeah. uh, suggestions. My first suggestion would be get the players to level two as quickly as possible. Uh, some of the later quests are pretty tough. They would be tough for like a third or fourth level party. So, uh, the, what I would do first and foremost is run the nature's spirits or nature spirits um, opening quest, which has no combat, which is all role playing. Uh, just talk to some twingas and go to level two. And uh, I mean, the, the reason I, I is pretty self-explanatory. Uh, yeah, but I think it's also, you know, this is also a chance to establish some lore of the towns Mm -hmm. uh, to get to, you know, engage with NPCs, the players get to express what their characters are like. So I, I'm, I'm on board of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the problem, though, is these two opening quests, right, Nature's Spirit and then the one where they're hunting for the serial killer, can take place in any town. So you have to be careful which town you choose first. Because if you go to, uh, Let's see. Is it Lonelywood? What? No. Who? Who is? Where's the burning of the body immediately? East Haven. Uh, East Haven. Maybe. No. Yeah. Yeah. East Haven. So if you say, okay, I'm going to start in East Haven, and I'm going to start with the, uh, with the Twinga quest, and you go into East Haven, and you see this wizard being burned at the stake, and you know all this chaos, and then having someone say, oh, could you please investigate nature spirits for me? Uh, Again, there's that narrative dissonance, right? There's that, there's all these amazing things happening. And why are characters going to want to go, you know, search for these nature spirits when there's all this chaos and all this turmoil going on? So I think you have to be careful what city you choose first if you're using one of these other, uh, you know, the, these opening quests first. Otherwise, you, you're, you're enticing someone with something that they are going to want to do right away. Yeah, that, that's, that's a great point. Uh, and, and I think that's one of the problems with, with the adventures that it's sort of like, if you use a starting quest versus a town quest, they will take you away from that first town. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Um, and, and, and all of that forces you to sort of juggle. So do I start in a town I don't want to spend time in? Right. <laughs> um, so if you want to run nature spirits, then I think you do. You sort of start in a, in a town that's maybe interesting, but you don't plan on, on being there for long. Maybe it's something like, you know, Kyra Denival, the one with the, the Kyra that, that you can't visit easily because you'll, you'll have nothing to really do there. And maybe you just pick up a you know, bit of lore or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go on do nature spirits. And if you want to come back to Kyra Denival later, you can. But, right. And yeah. it, so, so it almost puts you in a position where either, as Teo said, you have to choose one of the more boring quests uh, or you have to just ignore those opening quests completely. Yeah. When I went through the towns, what I decided was I decided on three towns, um, Care Koenig, because it introduces the Durgar storyline, which is actually one of the big storylines uh, in the in the adventure, kind of the lowest level big storyline. Um, so I would introduce there um east haven because not no, no not only because it's a cool town uh but they had the cauldron of plenty yeah. and that can become a focal point of lower level play as towns then scheme to try to get this cauldron uh that's a that's an interesting point uh it is a powerful item for the story while not a powerful item for individual characters. Um, and it also introduces the arcane brotherhood, the fact that they are involved and the, the clone of the uh, wizard that was burned at the stake is introduced later. So you kind of want to do that. And, but I would actually start everything in good mead. Good mead would be my first choice for a town uh, because that's where there is no speaker that gives the characters the best uh, option to really get involved in a town, to really establish a home base. And the quest itself is go get some mead that we lost. So it's not a life or death thing. It's something where someone might say, could you go get some, this, get us our mead back or go get these nature spirits. And the characters might even choose the nature spirits, especially if it's, a short trip rather than this big trek out to uh, out to get it. And then you could almost introduce the other um, the other quest. So they start in Goodmead, get a layout of the town, hear about uh, ask are asked to investigate this next town that has Twingas. So they go to the next town there. They hear about the murder. Uh, maybe in East Haven, they hear about the murder. Then you've got good meat in East Haven playing off each other and uh, you can get the Twingas and the murder uh, quests out of the way. Quickly. And both East Haven and Karakonig have Dwergar. So you could get onto that storyline pretty true. strongly. Though. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's yep. great. I think that's a solid plot. Uh, I like that a lot. Um, I did put together a quests recap for those who are on our Patreon and get the show notes. Um, I went through, I listed in bullet form, all of the towns, what's their quest, kind of what are the pillars that each one hits, mm-hmm. and kind of a note or two about them. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a good reference. And I did that as a mental exercise to try to think through all of this, because I would want to uh, weave a theme through these quests, just like you're saying. Um, and I thought there are kind of two themes that I would probably choose. It's either the Dwergar. I gotta say, just for whatever reason, Dwergar just don't super interest me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the most obvious one. And, and I think what you did is a good Dwergar track. Um, there are also Dwergar in that other town, Termalane. No, um, which was the one with the with the the fortress. Um, oh, oh, uh, the lonely one. No, Cardinaval uh, uh, with the the black, the devil cultists. No, I'm thinking of, you know, it might be, it's Kyrconig, the one with the strange, uh, strangely described Dwergar outpost. Right, right. So I don't super love the town itself, but but that's also Dwergar. So you could almost do like three Dwergar towns if you wanted to go super Dwergar. That's one way to go. And that's going to be a strong theme that, that's going to pay off in chapters three and four when the Dwergar attack. Mm-hmm. Um, spoiler towards the future. Um, so that's one way to do it, though, though I... 
I think personally what I would do is I would introduce a, a theme that I think is not very strong, which is that of oral. Mm -hmm. I would probably start in East Haven, mm -hmm. make that initial quest easier, yeah. uh, and maybe throw in some heavier oral themes around it. I would do the seance, which I think is a neat little kind of bonus quest. It feels meatier, that beginning. Um, I would use the murder quest rather than nature spirits. So I like the nature spirits just fine, but I'd probably do that because I think it's really cool how he is tied to oral and shows that off when you fight him. Mm -hmm. uh, the murderer has, you know, can bring ice blades into their hands and stuff like that. So I'd probably do that uh, and take them to either Targos or Tourmaline, probably Targos, uh, to do the murder and then to Goodmead. Mm -hmm. In Goodmead, I would try to rope them into becoming speaker. And then what I would do is have the town of East Haven propose an alliance. Mm -hmm. And that's when you go and do the town hall capers around the whole initial quest you did, which recovered that the, the, the magic item that you know, makes food. Mm -hmm. um, so depending on how you count it, that's four or five quests and it would feel pretty dynamic. You know, you move from East Haven to Targos to Goodmead, back to East Haven, but you are rooted in Goodmead. Mm -hmm. um, and if you do this Targos Zent story, and I would probably remove them as being Zents and make them servants of Oral. Mm -hmm. Now, as much as I love messing with this entire, now it's like Oral was taking over Targos, which yeah. has been an enemy of East Haven and other towns for a long time. So you get this real strong thing. You are the speaker. One of you is the speaker for Goodmead. Uh, you have defeated an Oral cult. You have established ties with East Haven. To me, that's a real strong mm -hmm. story there that you could forge. And yet it's still very variable, right? This is just a framework and it's gonna be shaped by how the players go about it. Um, the other thing you could do is Kyra Dineval, I, I do like the idea of taking on that town and that's another town that you can free. Mm -hmm. You could reskin those Kyra Dineval cultists instead of being devil worshipers as oral. Mm -hmm. And then with taking them down, you get some enigmatic NPCs that'll tie in later. That's also a benefit. So I think there are a couple of different ways you could go, but something along those towns of East Haven, Goodmead, and either Targos or Cardinable, I think that's a real strong mix to pull in for your five quests. And you can do more and they just don't get XP, you know, if you want to, if you need to reinforce more story. Yeah. And and that's interesting because Teos and I did not coordinate uh, our, our path here. We just created it separately, but we did, agree on a lot of things uh, including using east haven and goodmead um, and focusing more on a coherent story by reskinning if necessary and i think that reskinning of these different cultists or evil folks to make them worshipers of oral is is huge because it does make that narrative thread uh, that you can then go in any direction and still have your players feeling like they're making progress toward the ultimate goal of stopping this rhyme. Yeah. And it gives you some options that, you know, as speaker for Goodmead, um, you could change how Goodmead's going about operating things in negotiating and formally forming an alliance with East Haven, or if you, uh, maybe you free over Targos, maybe you're running two towns for all I know. Mm -hmm. Um, now you can make some changes, right? Are we, are we sacrificing? Do we make a pact to not sacrifice, for example? So it gives you some ability to exert for the players uh, a heroic vision mm -hmm. that's in line with the, the overall storyline of, uh, of, of the rhyme. Yeah, and, and making them, making the players, putting them in the positions of power is huge um, because then you are creating... Um, a, a narrative thread that can take them in so many different directions and take you in so many different directions. And that's what this adventure lacked, right? It lacked that thread. It lacked that path. Yeah. And even newer or inexperienced DMs uh, can riff a bit if they have that thread there. Yeah. It's it's not terribly difficult to then go to this other quest and say, well, you know, this quest, rather than doing it to find um, find this magic item or save rescue this NPC, now it's being done for political reasons, uh, to to bring the towns together, to to do these other things 
that that make the thread uh, stronger and more obvious. And that's a plot that resonates with the history of Icewind Dale. If you go back and read that first novel, the big thing that Drizzt and the companions are trying to do is they're trying to convince these disparate, mm -hmm. uh, opposed, non-unified towns to join together against this threat that's coming their way. Mm -hmm. And they they kind of fail at doing it. I mean, they make some progress, but they're not able to quite pull it off because it's so hard. And that could be a fun way of doing things or to, to push that is something that really resonates with that long history of it. Mm -hmm. And then when uh, the attacks do start coming to the towns, there's that much more investment from the players in rescuing them or if things go wrong, seeing them destroyed, uh, means more than just yeah. well we'll just go to the next town then because who cares that you know good mead has been destroyed and two things i really like about good mead is um and it doesn't have to be where you start but if, if you make that your kind of your town right and if you can even if the players don't end up if none of them wants to run for speaker uh, if they can shape who becomes a speaker right mm -hmm. you could you could give a couple options or maybe the person who's running but doesn't want to run uh, they kind of help her out, right? Like guide her. That alone could give them that investment in the town and what the town could then serve as, because they say in this book that adventures are sort of a commodity, right? So if they are sort of the controlling or influencing hand in Goodmead, other towns could come to them with any of these quests you like. Exactly. And bring that quest to you, right? Like Termalane could come and say, we're willing to negotiate with Goodmead if you can get our mind back. Mm-hmm. Because a beautiful mind is a really cool quest. And like, right. you know, it, this is almost like having to pick your children a bit uh, in that there are some really neat quests here and you can't run all of them. And right. it's hard to figure out how to weave between them and have a plot. So through Goodmead and controlling as speaker, you can actually get any plot come to you mm -hmm. through an alliance. And that would be really neat. The other thing is I love the idea of using the Acquisitions Incorporated rules, mm -hmm. even at a very light level to set up Goodmead as a home base. Right be able to build whatever structure they're interested in, whether it's a tavern, because, hey, good meat, mm -hmm. right? Uh, or the, the main hall could be, you know, reinforced and built up. Um, or they could build walls around the place. You know, anything like that, you could do anything around that using those franchise rules to, to mm -hmm. build a structure um, and protect that town. And then they would have these followers that they could use to accomplish tasks while they're off doing other things. So you could even have followers whether it's as formal as a B team or just something that happens in the background where they solve some of these other quests and you could actually tell them results of these quests in between adventures, right? Mm -hmm. You know, well, um, your, your hirelings in back in Goodmead report to you via sending that uh, they found, you know, uh, this mine in Tarmaline was being taken over by kobolds and one of them was a ghost. Mm-hmm. That's been solved by you, right? Right. Or roll these checks to see if you, your your followers solved it. Right. Or yeah, exactly. And or have them fail. Or have them fail. Yeah. And, and and you know have the have things go on because of that failure. Yeah. And and that's that's another thing that I I want from my adventures, and that's something that Acquisitions Incorporated, since I'm running it now, has taught me, is things go on even though the players don't address them things go on because the players don't address them and and you don't get that feeling from this, mm, uh, wow. this yeah, right. and so i would i would want to have lonely wood uh be destroyed by the white moose <laughs> yeah right if if they don't address that the lake monster goes nuts and bremen is destroying their fishing fleet right yeah, yeah. So and then you can solve it. You can address this through downtime, right? So you could be off exploring one of these places in chapter two, and you could say, hey, you know, the, your, your followers back in Goodmead report that there is a lake monster going nuts in Bremen, and some sort of moose that seems really intelligent and cunning is going crazy in Lonelywood. Mm -hmm. You've got a downtime activity. Which one do you want to tackle? And then you yeah. tell them what the results of it, you know, right. one based on their roles and the other one because they didn't do it. Right. Oh, that could be so cool. Yeah. And, and so, but again, it's, those are very specific ideas that go back to this basic idea of just the want of a narrative strength, the want of a, a path, a narrative path that 
the players are on and then you can diverge from that path um, with these other cool ideas. Yeah. But it's got to start somewhere. Yeah. I like that. That's, that's uh, so I uh, just received the other day, the Beetle and Grimm's uh, platinum edition, this thing. I was Mm -hmm. foolish enough to purchase it. Uh, (laughs) And and once I opened it, first of all, this box showed up and, and, you know, my wife rolls her eyes, like, what did you do? You know, like, because it was an enormous, I mean, enormous box. And, uh, and, you know, I had taken one of my writing projects and used it to to purchase this. So Mm -hmm. thank you, writing projects. And, uh, and I opened this thing up and it, you know, it's got this huge set of posters and a box of big minis. And then just the thing itself with all these handouts and cards, I'm for sure running this adventure. There's, there's no K no no question about whether I'm running it. And I'm going to be using all these beautiful pieces. And the question is how, and this to me, that's what resonates with me, right? I will be pushing towards good mead. Uh, I'll be using downtime to constantly tackle this because what, what I think will happen is you'll reach chapter three and the players will actually know all 10 towns because they'll have addressed them through downtime, downtime mm-hmm. and followers and things like that. And, and the players will actually know, they'll feel the 10 towns and they'll have a sense of responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. I think cool. that's great. And uh, any other things you wanted to mention uh, in, in well, chapter one? I think we've done a good job of, of kind of explaining what chapter one does. I think it's worth just saying that because we're, we're, you know, while we're in the midst of saying, here's how chapter one works, it's important to know that chapter two mm-hmm. is a series of sandbox style quests. And So it's important to know that you're going to have more of that sort of choice as to where to go after this. And you're, you're going to have um, three levels of sort of chapter two sandboxing. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll cover chapter two next time, but I think it's important to know that more of that is coming. It's a little more location based. So it's sort of like radiating, radiating out from the 10 towns to these different locations. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but otherwise has the sort of same, both benefits and, and detriments of its approach. Right. But that is exactly why you want to pay close attention to the 10 towns. Now get the yeah. players and their characters rooted in the happenings in the towns now, because they're going to be leaving them. Yeah. And I thought, you know, as I read chapter one, I thought, oh, okay, you know, like there's in Tarim and Targos, we're going to come back and hit that. No. Not unless you do, right? And and or something will will give me the the really the entree to come back and solve Kyra Koenig's, you know, being taken over by devils. Eh, kind of, but not really. Right. Um, and what's really supremely interesting is if you follow the the total sandbox approach, you can go through chapter one and chapter two and through sort of a random charting of course, mm-hmm. have very few clues towards what's going on in chapter three or four, right. the book make ups for, makes up for that by saying like, hey, if you don't know to do this, here's someone who can literally say, hey, come do this thing. Right. But um, but it can be a very disconnected, you know, I'm just vacationing in the 10 towns kind of thing. And Right. And players and just people in general are becoming more and more aware of the sort of tricks and tropes of storytelling. And, you know, when, expo- when, when exposition dude steps in, everyone rolls their eyes. And it's like, okay, here's exposition dude who's going to fill us in on all the stuff. And, you know, p- people are becoming more sophisticated in their storytelling or story uh, accepting. And so you really do need to, to be aware of that and, and up the game just a bit. So yeah. you, you don't need to do that. And, and like, that's why it's important for an adventure to kind of give you the tools you need to do that. Yeah, and I think folks, especially who come in through watching live streams, I don't know that they're expecting their DM to be Matt Mercer. But what they are watching is they're watching these excellent streams, not just Matt's, all of them. And they have that kind of plot. Mm-hmm. that revolves around the players that, that incrementally doles out more information along a central quest line that unfurls and, and matters. And, 
And so I think that's what actually players want more than expecting some sort of perfect DM right. or even the same caliber of players is that, that you can do these things in, in D&D. You can be in the really cool TV show. You can be in the really cool movie, in the really great novel. It'll feel like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it can be done with this book. It's just going to take a little more work uh, on the part of the DM to to pull it off and we hope that what we've just done will help you pull that off a little more easily. Yeah. So yeah, next so week. Oh, that's great. I just want to you know, thank Jeremy for sending in that question, which uh, sent us off of the course of moving on to chapter two, but I think for a very good reason. I'm glad yeah. we did that. Yeah. I'm glad we did that too. So next week we will be moving on to chapter two and hopefully along the way, not just describing what happens, but how to tie it all together with what we just talked about. And now with that out of the way, we can say thank you to all our listeners and all our patrons. Um, You can patronize the show by going to patreon.com slash MMP. Um, If you cannot do that, we understand it would be great if you could share the gospel of down with D on social media let everyone know that you listen and hopefully that you are enjoying the show uh social media wise teos where can people find you i can be found at four seasons landscaping no wait i'm told that's a mistake <laughs> it's at alpha stream last minute change oh, okay on twitter uh or my blog alphastream.org. yep and you can find me on twitter at sean merwin Although I do really wish that I could change my name to Four Seasons Total Landscaping. Yeah. Um, you can also go to the forums at misdirectedmark.com. Down with D&D is a Misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. So, Mr. Abadia, what are we going to do now? Let's go kill some monsters that feed directly into that plot. Mm-hmm. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you you're down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D and D? Down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D and D?